missed you. We get to go on to chapter 3 in James. So if you'll get to chapter 3. And we've been talking, and this whole theme throughout James is true faith. Uh, What does true faith look like? In the last few weeks, we've talked about uh, that faith without works is dead. That there's got to be an outward expression with our words and our actions and our deeds, all that we do. There's Our faith is coming out in those. If Christ is really doing a work in our life and God is continuing to mold us and make us like Jesus. So now in chapter 3, we're kind of going back to, and I kept using the word talk the talk. If you've got faith, then talk like you're, you have faith in your life, that, that your life is being transformed. And in your walk, in your works, you need to walk the walk. This walk that Christ is, is allowing us to, to live because of who he is inside of us. So now James is kind of going back to the talking part. And we've talked about, or James has brought up, our speech and our talk previously in chapter 1, uh, one nineteen. So then, my beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And then in ver- chapter one twenty six, he says, If anyone among you thinks himself to be religious while he doesn't bridle his tongue, and we're going to be talking a lot about bridling our tongue uh, in the next few weeks, but deceives his heart, this man's religion is worthless, being too talky, too religious. And so James has already kind of brought up this speech thing and how important the tongue is and how we use it for the glory of God. And... Genuine faith, this true faith, truly has the speech element that is important. And today we're going to look at true faith speaks with caution. Uh, and there needs to be caution with our, our how we speak with our words, especially as teachers. But then for all of us, as we stumble continually in our sin, the tongue tends to be the most vocal, if you will, of our life. Um, And so James is warning that. So go with me to James chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And and that's going to lead us into the rest of this section of of the tongue controls a lot and controls how we treat others and what we do. And looking at this passage and the importance of teachers and who really is a teacher, who, who are teachers in your life? Some of us are out of school, uh, so we don't have a professor or a paid teacher that's in our life, but there are others who feed into our life, aren't they? Uh, you have a pastor, you have a Sunday school teacher, you have friends, you have parents, uh, you have different people that are teaching us. And definition of a teacher, and we all know this, but is a person who helps students to acquire knowledge, competence, or virtue. So who are, who are teachers in our life that are important? Who are those who aren't so important and, and we kind of write off because they're just talking gibberish? Uh, but how many people do we teach? Uh, who are we responsible for? And the setting with James is there are all these people that want to 
to be teachers. And there's a great standing of honor uh, and having a little bit of power in the church. And so they want to be teachers. They want the accolades that come with that. James is warning, hold up. There's a lot more to this uh, than just being up front and being able to present the word. And I came across this quote that says, the mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates, and the great teacher inspires. I had one of my favorite college professors when I was at Cal Baptist, and it was a class, his name was Dr. Wyrick, and, and he was in the religion department, and great guy, people knew him, he loved the students, the students loved him, which always helps, that's always a big piece in taking a class. If your teacher doesn't care about you, then for me, I usually checked out, and usually didn't do so great in a class. But if I knew that there was a teacher that cared for me as a student, that was great. Uh, but Dr. Wyrick, and this was an 8 o'clock Tuesday and Thursday morning class that was on Old Testament archaeology. Now, that's that's a pretty interesting subject. But usually history and facts and all these things that I've got to maintain and, and retain in my, in my mind for tests usually don't go so great together. Uh, but I have to say I aced that class because Dr. Wyrick not only showed compassion for us, but loved archaeology. Um, he got to go on different sites and digs. He was passionate about what he taught. And that spoke volumes to me personally, uh, to all of the students. So teaching is an important tool because a teacher can, can guide students a, to a, a right direction or a wrong direction. There's, there really is power in the teaching profession and the teaching opportunities that we have. And teacher is an important word throughout all the New Testament. No fewer than 48 times is it mentioned in the New Testament. The majority of those are in reference to Jesus himself. And even himself calling, or he himself referencing himself as teacher. And the greatest teacher of all is Christ Jesus. And teaching was important to to him, even with the last command in, in Matthew twenty eight nineteen, and actually verse twenty, what does he say? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So we have the example of Christ Jesus. We have all throughout New, the New Testament of how important the teacher is. It's a vital piece of who we are as Christians and what we do as a church. It is to profess Christ, to teach others about Christ, to dig into the Word. To work through three, work through theology and this, this book that we have to study. So there's an important piece of what a teacher does in the life of our church. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul ranks teachers immediately after apostles and preachers and prophets. And in Ephesians 4, along with evangelists and shepherds, teachers are a vital piece of building up this the church and equipping the saints. So this is an important piece of who the church is and what we do and who as Christians profess our faith and share Christ Jesus with others. It's important. And James is warning us that it is going to come with some consequences if we don't do it the right way. And 
so there's great responsibility as teachers. And it's not just teachers, but it is anyone who has taken the word of God and being able to explain the word of God and to share the word of God with others. It requires diligence. It requires study. It requires digging into the word personally before presenting it uh, in a classroom setting or in a conversation or from the pulpit. And there's great responsibility because there really is this power that a teacher has to sway a student to the right or to the, to the wrong way of understanding. And so we have this responsibility and this amazing privilege to be able to share the word of God. And so I kind of made a list of the right way and the wrong way for us to teach. And I'm going to give a lot of verses, and I will give those to you after if you want, because I just kind of put them in a list. Uh, so here are the, the right ways to teach. First of all is understanding the privilege of teaching the Word of God. Have you, we thought about that God has given us His Word for us to be stewards of, to teach, and to break down and to help everyone understand what his word is. That's an amazing privilege that we have. And to understand that literally the the true great depths of who he is were given to us for us to pursue, for us to understand, and and maybe not fully understand ever at, until the end of our life. But it's this is great pursuit of understanding holy God and understanding who he is and being able to have the privilege to share that with others and break that down. Titus 1.9 talks about holding firm to the trustworthy word. Holding firm and having the Bible as the primary textbook for us all. To teach sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it. In Colossians 1 is proclaim Christ himself and Christ alone. And that passage talks about it is truly about Jesus. Uh, if we're not preaching and teaching Jesus, then we're off base. And we've talked about that from the pulpit and our classes. It is Christ and Christ alone. Warn and teach with all wisdom, which only comes from God. The end goal of teaching is to present everyone mature in Christ. That's our goal. This great, this faith growth process that we've, I've talked about from the pulpit. It's for all of us to be a part of. It's for all of us to lead others to a mature faith in Christ Jesus. And I love our church that we are across generational from birth to death, that it is a seamless journey of faith, uh, that we continue to help others grow and help each other grow and encourage others in this ultimate goal of maturity in Christ and to work hard. Uh, for this I toil in allowing Jesus to work powerfully in us. In Colossians, it talks about the, the wrestling with teaching the word. It is, it, it, we need to work hard at teaching and presenting the word of God. And maybe the most important is to love your students. We have that example in Christ Jesus in Matthew 9.34. And this is a setting right before the feeding of the 5,000 says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. The love of Jesus is what made him an amazing teacher, uh, because he knew the love that he had for us, which was 
amazing. And we need to have that same love for our students. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 1.5. 1 Timothy 1.5. And here is another piece of, of what it means for us to love our students and to anything that we do. And we talked about this last week. Everything that we do for the glory of God needs to be absolutely saturated in love. His love for us and our love for each other. First Timothy 1.5 says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And this section, actually, let me go up to three and I'll read down to five because this is a warning against false teachers. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love, the issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So we've got to love our students. We've got to love, truly love those who we are teaching and showing and live it out to walk the talk not just be able to talk about it, but live our faith out, even as we leave the classroom, this the conversation, whatever scenario that we have to teach. Now, the wrong way to teach. The wrong way to teach first is being ignorant of what the Word of God is, the inerrant, God-breathed Word of God, and understanding the the awe with which we need to respect God's Word. And without that being ignorant, We should not be teaching. And then teaching other methods, cults, theories, isms that aren't biblically based. Uh, If there are theories and cults and, and ideas out there that aren't based in Scripture, then we should not be teaching it. In our church especially, in our lives, we've got to be cautious of all of these outside ideas and theories and and different sciences that aren't biblically based. First Timothy 1.6 talks about getting involved in vain discussions or fruitless discussions. Of course, I had fun with this because in the King James, First Timothy 1.6, it talks about not getting involved in vain jangling. <laughs> Another one of those fun King James words, which basically is, is fruitless talk. Don't let our time in the classroom, our, our conversations... And I'm not, this isn't saying not talk about fun things and different humorous stories or life stories, but, but not things that are fruitless when it's time to get into the Word of God, uh, and focusing only on Scripture. In Titus 1.10 says, being insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers, teaching for a shameful gain. This was a concern with James with all these people that wanted to teach for for fame and for glory and have the standing uh, in the community as teachers, it shouldn't be about that. It should be truly the faith that we have, this overwhelming love that God has for us, that we have the opportunity to share with others. And then not walking the talk. Matthew 23 talks about the scribes and Pharisees, they preach but do not practice. Uh, And this is part of that faith growth process, that we have this faith, we need to teach about this faith and about Christ Jesus, but then it's got to come out in our works and how we walk. 
And James is warning, don't just be a teacher without putting all of these things, these thoughts, thinking it through, praying about it, making sure that you are in the right place that God wants you to be. And there are dangers associated with teaching. And why? Because James says we are held to stricter standards. We are held, we are judged with greater strictness. And teachers are going to be judged more strictly because we have been given the word of God. And if we do not divide that properly and break that down and explain it with the Holy Spirit at work, and we start to deviate and almost intentionally, sometimes intentionally deviate from the word and what scripture actually says, then we are causing problems for all who are listening. And it's not just our own heart, but now we are having some influence on other people. And regarding the possibility of leading someone astray, Luke 17.2. Actually, turn with me to Luke 17.2, or I'll read it to you. And this is, this is talking about temp- tempting others with sin, but as teachers, we've got to be cautious of especially the, the children that we teach, but also others, that we don't need to be instruments of temptation, but we need to make sure that we are focusing on Scripture and on Christ alone. Luke 17, and I'll read 1 and 2. Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. And so there's a danger. There's great responsibility in handling the word of God as we teach, as we have conversations, as we train up our children, that we've got to make sure that Christ is the focus of all of this. And it's frightening to understand that God will judge us in a more strict way because we have given been given such a great responsibility for his word. If I myself believe in a bad doctrine or theology, that's one thing. But if I am up here at the pulpit or in a class and now teaching this bad theology or philosophy, then I'm, I'm giving a false doctrine, a false teaching. And God has all right to sit there and judge and, and make more strict standards for teachers. Uh, because we've got to be cautious of how we handle the Word of God. So do not take lightly the sacred trust of instructing people in the Holy Word of God. And as I shared with different examples, uh, this is so important from the pulpit, so important from class, if you're in Sunday school together, working through the Word of God. But there are other relationships that we are training others and teaching. One is parents. One is their friendships. Uh, parents, beware of all of these outside influences in our children's lives. Uh, we've got to teach and show by example the Word of God. And from that, we are guiding our children in a way that they should go. And understanding that God's got the power, the Holy Spirit will be working on our in our children's lives. Uh, that we've got to be cautious of all these outside influences and speak truth to our, to our children. Speak truth to our friends. Any relationship, when we have an opportunity to share the Word of God and to talk about our salvation and our faith, we've got to make sure that we are 
make it, stains true and faithful to the word of God as we do that. So as I'm speaking and as I'm sharing this, I don't want you who are teaching already to freak out. Or if someone asks you to come teach again, well, I'm not going to do that. You just said how dangerous it is and how God's going to judge me more. I don't want that responsibility. But don't do that. Don't quit. Don't not say yes. We want you to say yes. It's just understanding that, that none of us are worthy. And we're going to, this next verse talks about that we all stumble. Uh, none of us are worthy. It's truly about being obedient to our faith, obedient to Christ Jesus and listening to the Holy Spirit and being responsible with the Word of God. Because all of us have the opportunity to share the Word of God, but all of us are going to stumble. None of us are worthy. The only true worthy teacher was, was Christ himself. And so we can never attain to that perfection while we are here on earth. But understanding that, that God needs us. So don't, don't freak out. Just be reminded of how important it is that we truly teach Christ and Christ alone and scripture and, and everything based on what scripture says, the word of God. So James does say, look, be cautious about being a teacher. You don't want to do this. God's going to judge us with more strictness because we all stumble. Uh, we all stumble in different ways. And James is like, be, so don't, don't put yourself in a position that is going to be, uh, costly to you if you're not worthy or if you're not willing to be faithful and be faithful to the word, be faithful to God, because we're still sinners. We're going to continue to struggle and to stumble in many ways. And he mentions the tongue is one of the worst ways to, to stumble. And, and he said, if, if a man can control his tongue, then he will be able to control the rest of his body and he is perfect. And we know that no one's perfect, uh, that we all stumble. And Romans 3.23 talk about that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And imagine that as we're trying to, to give God the glory and we are in that pursuit that sometimes we're going to stumble. We're going to fall short. We're going we're gonna to stumble off and on, especially in our words, but also in how we handle the word of God, how we handle relationships, how we live our life. We're going to sin. And James is like, we're all going to sin. And this brought me up, brought me to the point of the caution that we have of putting people on pedestals. Uh, and all throughout history, and all throughout even recent times of, of great people of faith that we put a lot of, a lot of power into who they were and a lot of attention of who they were as great preachers, as great musicians, as great leaders of the, the, the Christian movement, even of today, that they're going to stumble. And we've got to be careful of that. Now it's natural for us to put people on a pedestal, come across a great author, you come across a great preacher. Oh, I want everything, you know, that they put out in, in book or a musician and song. But if we do not keep our focus on Christ alone and keeping Jesus on the throne, 
we've got to be careful of all of these other people that are on pedestals because they will let us down. And if you think about it, the dynamics, I'm not about to stand on this, this pedestal over here, but if, Paul, if James just said we all stumble, so we're, we're not quite solid on our feet, and then we try to put people on a pedestal that's usually a very small, thin column, and they stumble, they're, they're gonna fall, right? And so we've gotta be cautious of that. We've got to make sure that we are truly focused on Jesus and Jesus alone and make sure that we are keeping our eyes focused on him. And yes, there are some great preaching, there are some great songs, there are great authors. All of that is important even as we continue to, to learn and grow in our faith. But to, to take that person and put them up on a pedestal over God is a big danger but even so important that they are almost as important as your relationship with God, That's there's going to be issues there. And I promise that they're going to fall because we all stumble. And if anyone doesn't stumble in word, the same is a, the same as a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. And there are so many ways to stumble. But with our words, there's danger with what we can speak and power in our words saying things that, that offend unnecessarily, saying things designed to wound another person, saying things intended to deceive, saying things that would lead another person astray. And we are sometimes, I, I know about myself, I speak a lot faster than I think sometimes. And that is not a great, <laughs> great position to be in. And that's where James brought the slow to speak in. Stop sometimes before we speak. And nobody except Jesus has succeeded in mastering the tongue. Uh, he is God and he was perfect. And our only hope as we pursue this faith growth process is that we are Christ and we are being made increasingly more like him. And it's going to take some time. Uh, but be cautious of putting others in, on the pedestal. Be cautious of trying to get on the pedestal ourselves. Uh, it's a dangerous place, but it's an exciting place. It's an amazing place to have that privilege, to have the word of God given to us, to study, to get into the depths of who he is, and then be able to share that with others is an amazing blessing and an amazing privilege that we have. And I need to be careful with what I say. And the problem with me, I think all of us have a distinct voice, do we not? Numerous times I've been in a store and all of a sudden someone from church comes around. Well, I thought that was you. I heard you speaking. We, we have a distinct voice and the things that we say need to be important and, and about the things of Jesus. And we've got to watch the words that come out of our mouth and we've got to then back that up with our life. It's one thing for me to preach Jesus and to be up here. And then if I leave and I'm living a whole different life, then these words mean nothing. Uh, and so all of this is that faith growth process that James is trying to get us to understand that, that faith without works is dead. And to speak and not glorify God in what we say is detrimental to others uh, as much as ourself. And the tongue possesses great power. And James is setting us up for this next section 
And we're going to look at how important and how powerful the tongue is and how powerful of a weapon it can be and how powerful of an encouragement and a tool that we can have to glorify God in all things. So true faith speaks with caution. We've got to watch our step. We've got to watch our tongue as we speak to others, teaching Christ alone and speaking with encouragement and love. Let's pray as we end this time of worship and go into our closing song, remembering the great privilege that we have to present the word of God and to be cautious of our words. Father, I thank you for this time and as we have these moments to just be reminded of this amazing privilege that you have allowed us to be a part of your work. Uh, and and not only in our words, in our actions, in what we do, but Father, you've given us your word, uh, your holy word, to be able to share that and to train others and to encourage others. Father, help us to be faithful to your word. Help us to understand with clarity and be able to share with clarity your truth. Father, I pray for the Holy Spirit to guide our thoughts in our words and our actions. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.